For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidavidkatz.com. Hi, it's again Tuesday morning. I'm trying to see what I can get done. I might have to go somewhere uh, tomorrow. Just so I'll take a look at the Aftar, the very famous Aftar this week, which is being sponsored um, by Mishpah um, Stefanski for uh, help me out with medical reasons. I'll talk about tomorrow. And uh, thank you very much. And let's talk about the Haftorah, which is the famous scene where the dying King David tells Shlomo, kill Yov and kill Shimei. And that's what it boils down to, right? Kill Yov and kill Shimei. I think everybody knows that. The questions always arise whenever you read this. Is this just a matter of political ingratitude, or is it Machiavellian, or is it, you know, what's going on over here in David is You think, you know, he would leave on a higher note, but maybe we're wrong, because um, he tells Shlomo you're going to be king. Shlomo's 12 years old, uh, as they tell us, and so Shlomo's very young, and, uh, and now he's going to be king of the whole Kalei it's a very dangerous to give a 12-year-old, even if you're brilliant, uh, all that power. But that's who David picked. And therefore, whatever he's telling him today, the Naftorah is going to be connected with that. And he's with you know, you have to turn. Unfortunately for you, your childhood is over. You know, uh, once I'm gone, which is any minute, uh, you have to be a man. Okay. You're going to have to be a man, you know, uh, so you turn from the age of 12 to the age of 20, you know, or 25, which is not so easy, okay? Uh, and, you know, a 12-year-old does think petulantly and all kind of, you will not have that opportunity. Now, as everybody knows, the controversial business is, he starts by saying, make sure you're from, that's rule number one. Because um, we have an insurance policy, God told me that I would, me and my family would always be kings, and if we're from, we'll be Matzliach. So, if you are Shomer Mitzvah, You'll have a political guarantee. Now, that's a major shalol shmo, but nevertheless, you're talking with a twelve-year-old, and uh, you know Shlomo Melch is obviously going to become very smart, as we know, and he'll move past that, I suppose. That's the firm way of looking at it. But in the beginning, he's telling a kid shalol shmo. Remember the Rambam's famous essay that when you teach a child very young, you give him a candy, and a little bit more, you give him clothes, a little bit more, you give him a shidduch. It's all shalol shmo. Until somewhere along the line, he picks up the idea it should be lishma. So uh, Shlom is twelve. I, you, I, I, you, you can't expect a twelve-year-old. I don't care how smart you are, who's going to be uh, handed this gigantic, uh, what's the right word, challenge, uh, to just jump right away and be a philosophical about and do a lishma lamana hamis. The challenge, of course, is a challenge of uh, of power and wealth. Uh, Nowadays, you start to see... I, somebody sent me a thing the other day. What was it, Rabbi Shulman or something? He said... Uh, uh, or Shmuel Shulman. 
He said, what's the difference when you were young and what is today? And he said something along the lines. Just read it yesterday. When I was uh, young, 100 years ago in America, the problem with the from was the, the Nisayan Haoni. Everybody was poor. It was hard to make a living. And you know and I know it was hard to keep a store not open on Shabbos and that sort of thing. So it's Nisayan Haoni. But now, today, he said, the from world's rich, so now you have Nisayan Haosher. Can you keep people uh, on the derech if they're wealthy and they're used to having whatever they want? Which is an interesting derech. Uh, and that, of course, is the story of Shlomo, which he writes about in Kohelas, because he had all he wanted. Uh, he started out young at 12, and he was loaded, and he had all the power. He did kill Shimi and, and, and Yo, for example. He could do whatever he wanted. And, you know... How do you stay from? And the truth of the matter, Shlomo had issues with that. Shlomo had issues with that. So, uh, that's a very interesting philosophical point where David says, you know, make sure you're from, otherwise you'll mess up. So David uh, knows God will take the throne away from you, which according to Chazal, God did take the throne away from him at some point or another. This is not mentioned in Tanakh, but it's mentioned in Chazal. And that's the famous argument, you know, Aniko Helis Hayisi Melchizedek. You've heard of that before, <laughs> which sounds like Shlomo somewhere along the line was deposed. The difference in the, in two schools of thought in Chazal is it was Melch Hedyet Melch or Hedyet Melch Hedyet, which means was he permanently dethroned or was he only temporarily dethroned? Uh, that's the story with Ashmedai and all this other kind of stuff. You, know, you don't know what to do with that, but the bottom line is there is a tradition. In Judaism, among other traditions, that the Shlomo didn't make it all the way through, un untrammeled. And if he didn't, it would be a punishment for uh, for uh, going against parts of the Torah as a result of wealth and power. You know, so too many wives, too much gold and silver, and too many horses will be a sign of sinning because of wealth and power. That's what that means. Uh, I repeat, it doesn't use those words in the book of, in the Tanakh, in the Torah Shavik Sav, in the book of Malachim, or Divrayam, where they talk about Shlomo, but it certainly is uh, very well known, anybody's ever learned the Gemara, especially in Gitin, but other places as well. Now, here's Shlomo starting at the age of 12. Uh, what does he know? Now, I'll tell you something very interesting. David says, kill Yoav and kill Shimi. Okay, let's put Yoav aside for a second. Who is Shimi? So the Gemara says, not me, the Shimi was a Rebbe of Shlomo. Now, what the heck does that mean? Um, listen closely to what I'm about to say. Uh, Shimi ben Gera, I think everybody knows, was a, um, was a, what do you call it? Shimi ben Gera was a uh, relative of Shol, who, as far as we know, had nothing to do with David until the rebellion of Absalom, which took place, I believe, three years before the death of King David. So that means, and and then he cursed him, right? When David's running away from Amshal, I'll say it again, it's about the, in the 37th year of his reign, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, according to Hatal. So uh, when David is, uh, I guess, 67 years old, and he's running away from Amshal, so, so Kalani Kalam and Imresis, he gave me a terrible claw up, which if you go, according to Hatal, Nimretzis is a notricone, you know what I mean? So he called me a nun, a mem, a resh, a tzadi, and a saf. 
Nimretzis. The plain meaning of Nimretzis is a horrifying Klola. But, you know, because um, it's a funny word, Klola Nimretzis. But the Chazal learned it. He called me a bunch of knaves. So King David is running away from Avshalom. At that time, it looked like he's going to lose. And this guy threw stones at him and cussed him out. And he said, Noef, Moavi, Rotseach, Sorir, Toeva. That's what Gemara Shabbos says in Kofei. Woo! He says, you're a Noef, you're an adulterer, you're a Moabite, you're not even Jewish. He obviously didn't hold Moavi or Moavis. Rotseach, you murdered Saul. So rare. Uh, I'm not sure what that means. Specifically, Tzorah Ayyuhudim. Uh, I mean, Troubler the Jews. Basically, you've been bad news for Kal Yisrael and Toeva. Well, 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 you call King David. If you call somebody a Toeva, <laughs> that's that's pretty interesting. Uh, another version is he called him a Noef Nimretzis. A Noef, a Mamzer, a Rotseach, Tzorah Toeva. So, Mamza would mean that he had to do with Yisha, you know what I mean? And that kind of stuff. And, mind you, uh, I just want to remind you, Rabbi Ke- there is a school of thought that Chayvelav is a Mamza. We don't pass that way, but I'm just saying, during the time of King David, if they held that the Rus was wrong to marry her, or maybe Yisha had some issues that they talk about, you know, with Grusha and all that, uh, if you were a Chayvelav, not just a Chayvelav, uh, your mom's are, which is very severe. But the bottom line is he really cussed me out. Now, as we all know the story, I believe people listening to this are generally familiar with the uh, Old Testament, at least the stories. And uh, David, of course, survives the, the war with Absalom. Absalom gets killed. And when David's on his way back, so you have this famous scene where Shimmy comes to apologize. But Shimmy didn't just come to apologize to Amazoy, he came with a thousand people from Benyamin. So in other words, here's King David returning uh, in a very interesting frame of mind because, like I say, he was 67 years old or 68 by that time, perhaps, and he had just gotten a very rude uh, wake-up call. He thought he was popular, according to Chazal. Turned out the whole country sided with Avshalom. That's the story with David and his conversation with Husha Arkyu on the Mount of Olives. And uh, you know, and David complains in the tell him Rabim Omrim Lo Ain Lo Bishua so Himsela. Look at Rashi every day. They all say I'm a I'm a Noef, I'm a this, I'm a that, I'm a Rotzeach. So uh he was like, you know, pretty uh shocked <laughs> it's like the guy thought I'm the most popular guy in Shul, and then you find out what people are really saying about you. <laughs> okay. So a bit of wake up call. And uh and in that context, Shimmy shows up and says, I apologize. Forgive me for cussing you out. Let me tell you something. You call me a mamzer and no way for it. I mean, you know, it's hard to forgive, but David does because he was surrounded by a thousand Benjaminites, Benjamin. The whole war was um, a, a, a period, a civil war in Claudius. Well, David has to be political now in the pure sense of politics and you know, notice you do what's necessary for the greater political good, which was to reunite the country after a civil war. Uh, I repeat, the only reason the country went back to him was because Avshalom was dead. So there was nobody else to go back to. This says there, it says, you know, Dov wasn't so bad, Avshalom is dead, so let's go back to him. And uh, if he gives out the indication that all who sided with Avshalom are going to get killed, the country will never go back under David. Because so many people had backed up Shalom. 
So for political reasons, political wisdom, uh, David has to say, I forgive totally all those who backed up Shalom, and let's move past it. Bygones are bygones. Even though you know and I know, you can never really forget it. But politics is what it is, and I don't mean that in a cynical way. Politics has its own rules, and if I, and and indeed, you know, in a mishpacha situation, a shul situation, sometimes you have to do this, mevater on this or that and the other, in order to bring back a certain shalom. Uh, so he promises, as we all know, that Shimi then he won't kill him. I repeat, Shimi came surrounded by a thousand Benjaminites. Now listen closely. How does David really feel? This is the strange part to me. So how does David really feel about Shimi? You son of a gun, I'd like to kill you, but for reasons of high politics, for uh, Shalom al Yisrael, I have to forgive you. You understand? In other words, deep down, I don't forgive you, but I have to promise and 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 keep the promise that I forgive you. But David goes more than that, because if it is true that if the Gemara Brachas is true, that Shimi was the Rebbe of. Shlomo, so I'm asking you the question, when did that happen? What was he, his first grade Rebbe? Uh, you know, kindergarten? If he's the teacher of Shlomo, and according to the Gemara, he exercised a positive from influence on Shlomo, so the shot has to be that after this incident that I just described, when David says, I forgive you, David even goes on to say like this, and I appoint you as Rebbe of my son, to be the tutor of my son, to show that I really mean it, no hard feelings. Which is quite remarkable. Now, that can be interpreted several ways. One way is it's political, meaning, don't think that I say I forgive you, but I really didn't forgive you, and I'm planning revenge somewhere along the line. I'm going to appoint you as my son's Rebbe, and you're going to be my spiel on him and so forth, and you can't get a better indication or proof that I'm sincerely, you know, um, forgiving you for all, all, all that happened during the rebellion of Shalom and the fact you call me all these names. And uh, and there you have it. Another way of learning this, if you want to be like a Hassam Sover type, is you say, you know, I like your Azaz de Kadusha. I didn't like the fact you cussed me out, but I see that you're real from me. And you're the type of guy I want for my son to be the Rebbe. It's a little bit like the story I mentioned the other day, uh, Shever Brothers, very well-known story. They say that Hassam suffered. It's a story. Um, when he was young, uh, on his way to Hungary to assume the post in Pressburg, I guess it was. And you know, Hassam Sofer was a German, a Yaki. And the story is that he stopped in an inn, like a Jewish small hotel, uh, for Shabbos on the way. And Friday night at dinner, he did the Yekashi way, which is first you wash and then you make Kiddush. Not like the rest of us do, which you make Kiddush and then you wash. And the story is that the Balabas, the owner of the inn, saw this and didn't understand it. And he basically picked him up and threw him out in the street and said, get out of here, you reform rabbi, something like that. Get out of here, you bum. And the people were all shocked. And they said, you know who you just insulted and all the rest of it. And the story goes that the Hassam Sofer said, like this, leave the guy alone. I like him. I understand that he didn't he didn't hop what I was doing. He's not familiar with the Yakish Minogam. I get that. But his Azas de Kedusha, I, I like his fanaticism. <laughs> you get it? He he I like the fact that he's a very stark on the from side. And so you could always say like this, 
you call me a mom's or no for this, that, the other, which is not true, but I see you're a, a from guy, so I'll make you my son's Rebbe. That's a from spin on the uh, on, on, on the business. A third way of understanding that, in my mind, is uh, like that that uh, David's like this. It keep your enemies close. What did David do with uh, Mephibosheth, the son of Yonason? He said, I'm not going to kill you because you're my friend's son. But uh, you you live in my palace. Ochle Mishulchani. You understand? In other words, David's like this. Uh, I want you nearby. Uh, do you have any problem with that? Why would you have a problem with that if you're not planning to do anything political? Now, Mephibosheth was not planning to do anything political. And he's scared out of his mind. And he even says, kill me. You know, Mephibosheth is scared to death, which I don't blame him. But uh, Lemaya said nothing happened to him, but he always lived in David's palace. So David basically says like this, uh, do you have a problem that you're near me where I can see you all the time? Why would that bother you? Uh, are you planning to do anything, you know, underhand politically against me? Well, what's he supposed to say? So David said like this, enjoy the palace. You can order a meal anytime, room service anytime you want. The swimming pool is open, you know. The tennis court is open. Do do you know? Uh, there's a base medish farm, farm, uh, and and you know live the life of Riley, or if you want, live and and, and learn all day long, and let's just uh, you know I mean make sure there's nothing, you're not conspiring at all with anybody political whatsoever. And there's even a chazal like that. I think in Parshas Tzitzav, if I remember correctly, where they compare. It's kind of cute to me, <laughs> where it says Aaron should be in the Mishkan. Hashem said, I want him near me, so, you know, uh, where I can watch him all the time. Which is, is an interesting medrash. And, uh, okay, so then, here's David, and the war was over with Absalom, and he just pardoned uh, Shimi for political reasons, of uh, high politics, but he says, you know, I want you to move to my palace and be my son's Rebbe. Uh, why would you not want that? <laughs> you get it? Uh, if Shimmy says, I don't want to do that, David's like, are you planning something against me? Uh, you know, so Shimmy, in order to uh, preserve himself, would then take the job. And he was real frummy. And the Gemara Taka says that as long as Shimmy was the Rebbe of Shlomo, Shlomo did not marry any shikses. It's a famous Gemara. Uh, which means that he did exercise this kind of from influence on him. Uh, if that's the case, why does David want him dead? Well, you notice David never said the words he wanted dead, but he wants him dead because he, he insulted him. You can't have it that somebody gets away with being insulted, with, with insulting a king. Oh, I just had an interruption there. Uh, so, today, This week is a lot of interruption phone calls uh, that have to be taken. But you get the point. So Shimmy turns out to be, uh, so, so let me put it this way. So it it lends itself to a very interesting way of reading Pesukim because David says, "Well, Sisi Kachaf Masecha was in Haftar today. You'll figure out how you know. You'll figure out how to how to get rid of Shimmy, right?" He says, "But so Ato Altenikehu Ki Ish Kachamato. Don't let him get off." Ish Chachamato, but Yodatet says Shertasalo, Horadatet says Vasabadam Shaol. 
So you figure out a way to take his blood down to hell. Uh, so you'll, you know, you'll, 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 you'll figure a way out. But he can't say kill him because he promised him that he wouldn't say that. But he, you know, hints at it. And of course, as we all know, by the time the story's over, Shimei's dead. Now, uh, and so the guy who cursed the king, David, you know, does get killed in the end. And that's the point of the politics of it. It has to be. Anyone who insults a king cannot get away with it. But it's very, very interesting because maybe David made a mistake, and I'll tell you what I mean. What ultimately was the cause of the greatest, arguably, the great disaster in Jewish history? Shlomo comes to the throne with unbelievable prospects. Money is not a problem. The Middle East is peaceful because David and, and, and Yoav killed all the enemies. Shlomo could have, and, and there's prosperity, the economy's good. So you have peace and security, and you'd think that you could run a tremendous malucha uh, in a very high ruchnius way, in which you have Torah Gedul and as they say, and it would have been like a perfect period. When we talk about the Messianic era, like I'm doing the Summum Bonum lectures, so, I mean, they, they, they imagine a time like Shlomo Melch, sort of. That's how they see it, Mashiach. Just not making the mistakes of Shlomo, because in the end, this beautiful possibility popped like a bubble. That, unfortunately, is the story of Shlomo, because, as we all know, um, he did too many wives, too many whores, too many silver, and most importantly, he married all these shiksas, and they uh, led him astray. It says those words, Nashav Hitoes Lvovo. Um... And by the time it's over, he builds these uh, churches, or he allows them to build churches, on Harazesim. Okay? <clears throat> Read it. It's, you know, on Harazesim. And those Bate uh, Avodah remain, I remember it's later in the Book of Kings, until uh, uh, Yoshiahu, which is astounding. So for hundreds of years, you had the base of Midrash on one side, and across the way on the Harazesim, you have a, a, a temple of Kamosh and a temple of uh, Milcom and all this other kind of stuff. So in other words, the fatal error in Jewish history was Shlomo's choosing to marry these Geisha women. Now, he had reasons for it, and maybe there were good political reasons, maybe not, and you have Bas Paro. I mean, we know that discussion. Uh, but at the end of the day, it was not worth it. Matter of fact, it was a fatal error, because they took him down and they introduced the Avodah into the kingdom of Yehuda and it never went away. So you had the base of Migdash all the time, but you also had this Avodah there. And all the successors of Shlomo were always, eh, 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 you know, half this, half that. Most of the time they were worshipping idols and also worshipping God or variations thereof. Once in a while, you had a Fromi come on board, you know, uh, you know Shafat or somebody like that. But generally speaking, it was not a great story. And what could have been a utopia turned into the opposite. And that's because Shlomo married all these Geisha women. That's how we, that's our tradition. That's how the 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 Torah of Exal portrays it, and the Chazal also. So consider this. Here's David, and he's dying, and he is focused, obsessed, and focused on Yov and, and, and Shemi, which I understand why. And like I said before, you know, he has reasons for this. 
Uh, there's a very nice Malbim, you know, uh, if you take a look over there, who says that uh, by telling him to kill uh, uh, Yoav and uh, Shimi, Dov is introducing him to another side of the Halacha, which is a Melech. Okay? After David tells Shlomo not to stray from the Torah, and not to follow your own opinions, but follow what God said, but he tells Shlomo, you're 12 years old, there are exceptions. There are times you follow what you think is right, rather than what the Torah thinks is right. What does that mean? That's the Malbim. The Dine Melech, which have to be founded on political realities, are different than the Torah. That's in the Rambam in Hilchus Malachim. That the king can can violate the normal rules of jurisprudence uh, without Hasra, without him. Think about what I just said. If a king can kill without Hasra, uh, you know, uh, there's no checks and balances. Hagam Shaina Kamishwata Torah, Nasan Kogzeilov, Ligdar Geta Vilamba Beparis. You did for political reasons, maintain the country. And therefore, you follow your opinion, not the Torah's. And Yov is an example, the Malbim says. But nevertheless, so when Yov killed Avshah, I mean, you know and I know, it's not actionable. But kill him anyway. It's not actionable in the halachic process. Now, when David was alive, David's Chachma said that uh, now is politically not a good time to kill him. Because as a general, he was unequaled. But now, now you can follow whatever the Tzorach Hazman is. Meaning, Yov is old, I'll be gone, you'll be able to get away with it. I don't know, something like that. So, David is very focused, as we know, on this. Now, listen close, I'm going to say. So, David basically wants to tell Shlomo, uh, kill Yov and kill, uh, and kill uh, Shimi. Avenge what Yov insulted me, avenge what Shimi insulted me. So, that got in the way of David's good judgment. I mean, or maybe he didn't see it. Because, uh, I am getting all these interruptions. Uh, here's the point I wanted to make. Uh, so David is focused on getting rid of Shimmy. I get that, but he this was a mistake in the long run. Because if it's true that, it, as the Gemara tells us, that as long as Shimmy was around, Shlomo kept on the straight and narrow path and didn't marry Nashim Nachrios, which is what took him down eventually. Then it's Mashma that if he hadn't killed Shimmy. Uh, he would have exercised a positive influence on him in terms of intermarriage, even though he would have been on record as having insulted Shlomo's father. And so there you have a real political, moral decision. Which do you, uh, which do you uh, 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 privilege? Uh, do you say that... This is a hard one. You know? Do you say that um, because he insulted the king, therefore political 
science requires that he be punished? Or do you say, since he's exercising a positive influence on a 12-year-old king who needs positive influence in a firm direction, and since everything depends on him following you know, uh, all the rules in the Torah, as David himself said, so he should have swallowed his pride and said, listen, even though the guy uh, uh, insulted me, but uh, we need him. In the exact same way that during his lifetime, David did not punish Yoav. He said, Yoav insulted me by killing Avner and all this other stuff, but I didn't punish him in his lifetime because we needed him. That was what you call a political decision. Uh, this is always a question when it comes to uh, ethics. I've said many times, you know, it's the, and, and when it's a political decision, you have to use Chachma, and Chachma sometimes leads you in the right way, sometimes leads you in the wrong way. So it was a Mamasha Shekel over here, Shekel Adas. Do you favor uh, punishing the guy as an example for consolidating the power to throne? Or do you say, um, no, in spite of the fact he insulted the throne, keep the guy there because in the long run, he's better for the throne, for the Malchus based oven, because if he would make Shlomo not marry all these Nasha Nachrios, Shlomo would not have messed up the way he did, and the, and the sum total would have been better in the long run. Now, I can say that, you can say it because we have thousands of years of um, looking back, you know, retrospective. David didn't see it at the time, and so he gave it his best shot, obviously. But it's ironic that in all this, David kind of in the end, uh, what shall I say, David uh, seems to make a mistake uh, from his own point of view uh, because uh, the success of the Malchus based David relied on adhering, obviously, to the Mishpatea Torah and uh, not using uh, the Mishpatea Melch in the wrong way. So it comes kind of ironic, you know, uh, the, the the higher goal is to, you know, preserve the throne. Well, yeah, but even higher goal would be preserve your throne in the long run by keeping this guy on board because he exercised the from influence of Shlomo. So it's a it's it's a wonderful, delicious irony um, with a tragic end because you know the, because because Shimi is removed, then you know Shlomo. You know, it has no uh, uh, no one to give him, most, no one to inspire him to stick to the straight and narrow path, which was his only way of being successful. Anyway, I thought that's a very interesting point. I want to thank once again Stefanski's for sponsoring this um, and for their friendship. And uh, with that, we'll call it a day. For sponsorship opportunities or to support this podcast, please visit our donate page at www.support.rabbidovidkatz.com.